Hello and welcome to the Agro America podcast. My name is UC Lajmi Muheep, and joining me today is Chris Regals, a civil engineer with over 24 years of experience in solid waste engineering. In this episode, we'll be exploring the third and final part of our series on risk-based design of geosynthetics. Every month, the plastics experts at Agru explore how geosynthetics are changing the world around us. Discover more about Agru at agruamerica.com or by calling 1-800-373-2478. Chris, what do engineers mean when they say nothing is ever built the way that it was designed? Well, simply because it isn't. Once you get out in the field, you run into situations that you know, don't show up on paper or the AutoCAD screen, and you have to adjust and um, count for what you find in the field. And sometimes that requires a design change, and then sometimes it can just be a construction adaption of the design intent at the specific location of the field anomaly. Way to prevent or minimize that type of situation from occurring is leads to another um, anagram that we call the KISS principle, and that stands for keep it simple and stupid, or depending on the engineer you're dealing with, keep it simple, stupid. That way, keep the design as simple as possible, which reduces the uh, room for error or changes in the uh, field application of that design that can lead to issues. So that that means that there are inherent risks in all design. Like the more elements you incorporate, the, the more expose yourself. Uh, what does that mean for a project like a final cover design? What are some of the component parts in this project that can increase the risk? Yeah, uh, using final cover as an example, there's lots of variables during construction that don't uh, show up as nice, neat lines on drawings. One is the cover soil thickness isn't going to be perfectly, say, two feet thick. Tolerance, typical tolerance in earthwork grading is a tenth of a foot. That soil cover could be thicker than two feet by a tenth of a foot or less than two feet by a tenth of a foot. So there's a variability there. Also slope variation, landfill final slopes are never straight. There's always going to be dips and concave surfaces in that slope, bowls, etc that may get steeper, or if it's the reverse pattern, it may have a shallower or a shallower section before it goes to that steeper section. So there's changes that happen there. The other thing is interface friction strength can vary with materials. No one material is perfectly uniform across its entire surface. I would venture to say that agro microspike is more uniform across its surface than others, which rely on a random pattern more so than agro. For a final cover, there's always going to be sub-drainage underneath, say, the soil cover section. And that's usually done by a geocomposite or in case of agri product, you can use the integrated drainage system, which is either micro drain or super grip net, depending on shear strength requirements on that particular slope. Now what happens with a sub drainage system is that soil cover above it is stabilized using vegetation. Vegetation can have, depending on the species, will have differing root lengths. Some plants root down only a foot, which would be fine in a two-foot cover section. Other plants can root down much, much deeper. Once they get to that sub-drainage system, the roots will start to penetrate into that system and can clog it. You have to account for that in, say, the 
transmissivity selection of your drainage system to allow some clogging to occur from plant roots. So it sounds like there's a combination of site-specific design components and product-specific components. Uh, and in both cases, there are some variability involved. What are some of the variabilities inherent with the products? The variability in the products is going to show up in the testing. The issue there is it's not just the material variability, but the testing variability. Even if you had exactly the same surface in say like an interface uh, friction test, uh, a direct shear test, ASTM D5321, even if you had the exact same surface, I mean, it was just, they're perfectly matched. And even if you put it in the same test apparatus at the same laboratory, and the test is run by the same lab technician on the same day under the same ambient conditions, the results you're going to get from those two tests are not going to be exact. There will be some variability in that test method. So what can you do in these situations? You've got a lot of uh, test data results, um, interface friction strength, for example. You can build what we've built here at Agru is a database of those test results. Analyzing that, that database, you can make some statistical predictions as to what future test results will come in at. I use what I call a 90% confidence interval. What that means is future test results, there's a 90% probability that they're going to fall in between those two lines. Now, if you're just using the lower confidence interval, then you can say that there's a 95% probability that future test results are going to fall above that line, which is where you want them to be if you're going to use that 90% interval as your friction strength design envelope. That's one way to reduce the risk of material and testing variability once you go from design and then into uh, construction. How do the construction types and installation methods affect variability and risk? There's specified ways to construct with geosynthetics, you know, welding with, um, say, geomembranes, uh, as an example. There's specified ways that that has to be done. There's ways that you can make sure you get a qualified contractor on site that knows how to do that type of welding simply by demonstrating that they've done, you know, X million feet of it in the past with successful results. All of it generally boils down to construction quality assurance, uh, CQA inspections to make sure everything is being done the way it should be done. That's the primary way to reduce risk on the construction side of things is make sure there's proper inspection all along the process to make sure it's done as close to the design as possible and that all the uh, assembly techniques are proper. I'm sure there's a point where as an engineer you have to stop and say uh, this is an acceptable amount of risk. How do you get to this point and, and what role does regulation have in identifying acceptable risk? Regulation requires construction quality assurance for something, say, like a landfill base liner. And all of that uh, CQA effort has to be documented and then submitted in a report to the regulatory agency demonstrating that the project was built according to design and all the testing, field testing, lab testing, produce passing results. That's in regulation for landfills in particular. So in that case, uh, you know, the regulate 
uh, regulatory system is assessed on making sure you get a good product. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your time. Yeah, you betcha. As you've learned in this series, it is possible to mitigate failures in geosynthetic systems by implementing risk-based design. You've learned how to account for local weather patterns by analyzing historical data, how to manage risk during the design process, and how to overcome specific challenges like mitigating the risk of a landfill slope failure. These techniques are necessary to create a modern and performant design that is also economical. As a world leader in geosynthetics, Agru has a rich case history of successful landfill closures and temporary cover installations across the United States. Beyond manufacturing high-quality products, Agru is committed to excellence in customer service and quality control. Are you ready to test how our product will perform within your design's parameters? Reach out to an Agru representative today.